Dianne Feinstein said something nice to me at the hearing about the way I was patient and allowed the Democrats to talk. She's going to vote against Barrett. She didn't like the process. She called it illegitimate. But she was at a human level. I know her. She sits by me. We're friends. Opposite sides of the aisle. Look what happened to her when we hugged for about five seconds. The entire left came down on her, wants to kick her out of her job. So here's what Joe Biden's going to do. Live in fear of these people. They have taken over the Democratic Party. I hope you understand what happened yesterday. To hug Lindsey Graham, people on the left call for your dismissal after you've served your state and your nation for decades. Uh, can you imagine what they would do to anybody that voted for uh, Barrett? Can you imagine what they do to President Biden if he didn't adopt their agenda? This is a dangerous moment in American politics. The radical left has taken over. Man, the whole Twitter thing. I did see a couple of Twitter blue check marks on the left. This is unacceptable. The hugging of Lindsey Graham. Really? You've lost your humanity. Yeah, 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 there's something wrong with you people. Yeah, you really are twisted. And then the crowd that is mad at rapper Ice Cube for being involved in some uh, Trump program that he believes would be helpful to black people. I think uh, Ice Cube is best described as a businessman at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he put out a, a actually an anti-Trump song like two years ago or How something interesting. like that. Yeah, yeah. Called Arrest the President, which includes the lyrics, You got the evidence. He's Russian intelligence. Ah, bad news, Cube. Bad news. Did you hear how that all played out? Um, You don't have the evidence, but you were lied to over and over again, Ice, by uh, Adam Schiff, uh, pencil-necked Adam Schiff, um, Nancy Pelosi, the entirety of the American media, with very few exceptions. So I don't blame you for being fooled. A lot of people were fooled. uh, And Ice Cube said, we can't afford not to negotiate with whoever is in power, said the rapper. Um, Who do you like better, Ice Cube or Ice T, Sean? Is uh, the hip, local hip hop fan? Ice Cube, I think. You I know, it's, it's sad to more. separate Ice Cube and Ice T because they go so beautifully together. <laughs> they really, really do. Really, really. one needs the other. If you don't have one, you just got room temperature beverage. Have right. they done? It's right. Really good. Have they ever done anything together? Ice Cube and Ice T, other than refresh me on a hot summer day. Well, they tried to get Vanilla Ice to join in, but he so was they being beat difficult. Him <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For his sins. Um, and then another example of this sort of thing: the <clears throat> Trump Town Hall last night, which I did not watch. Um, uh, there was a woman behind him, uh, nodding along with all his points all the time, like, "Yeah, you're absolutely right, sir." And so there's a effort to dox and ruin that person's life. The, her name is out and floating around on Twitter now. Oh, for goodness' sake! You know, going after where she works, et cetera, et cetera, which so, is just the modern world. Just to expand a little bit more on the the Ice Cube thing, it was interesting to see this play out in, in real time, where he has this thing, a program he's calling the Contract with Black America, and he's trying to put forth programs that he thinks will help. Black Americans going forward. He pitched, he, he sent both to the Biden campaign and the Trump campaign. Biden campaign said, This is neat. We'll look at it after the election. Trump campaign actually folded in some of these things into, I believe, what is called the Platinum Plan. Interesting. And so, and that got twisted by the lefts on Twitter. Uh, why is Ice Cube endorsing Trump? And he never endorsed anybody. Right, the, right. He just adapted some of the things that he sent out to both campaigns. One of them engaged in negotiations immediately. The Biden campaign said, no, we're going to talk it's about cute. it after the election. Yeah. I, I would like to hear more about that. It's funny. It brings to mind an NPR report I heard this morning that um, it just it bothered the hell out of me. They were talking about uh, unemployment during the time of COVID and a rise of po- in poverty, which is obviously a serious problem. But their spotlight was on a young gal who, as far as I could tell, has very little education, 
very few skills. She got four little kids, and she got no man. And the entire story was presented as if those were things that were done to her, that happened to her. And it utterly denied her humanity, her adulthood, her agency. It made her a speck of dust being blown by the wind to society, which I consider an incredibly paternalistic and insulting way to look at people. And where and, and whether she was black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant to the story. Where is the national uh, program, slogan, march? Where's the, the press reporting on it every day? The idea, finish school Don't get pregnant unless you're married. Don't get married unless you're over 18 or better yet, 21. Where is that movement? How many, for instance, black lives would that save? How many little black kids would that improve their lives? How many young people moving into adulthood would that save them from financial and and, and in very real ways, uh, physical suicide? Where's that campaign? No, it's about whitey bad. I don't think whitey bad is the primary problem, but I'm whitey, so say what you want about me. I can take it. The Atlanta Braves beat the Dodgers again last night uh, easily. And are In up, the manner of a drum. And are up 3-1. Seven run, sixth inning. Revolving door, please. They had to have a greeter at home plate. On the and other, have a doorman. On the other side of Major League Baseball, the Houston Astros with a walk-off homer to bring it to 3-2, they were down 3-0, and it's now 3-2. Which I think, in terms of coming back from being out 3-0, isn't the team that was up 3-0 the one with all the pressure on them at this point? Aren't you swinging loose and easy if you're the, the, the team with two wins? I have seen people in various sports with nothing to lose all of a sudden just play as easy as pie. The only guy who's swinging easy on the Astros is the guy doing the Peter Gabriel impression in the dugout when an off-speed pitch comes. Hey, what was... <laughs> what was <laughs> wait a minute. What, what was that sound? Uh, don't worry about it. Don't, it's nothing. nothing. Don't oh, look at that. It went out of the park again. You don't think they're still doing that, are you? No, they've updated their their playbook. They're cheating yeah. in a different way now. Yeah, well, exactly. What about the buzzer under the shirt? We still never got an answer about that. You've yeah. ever seen an ump pat a guy down as he gets to home plate? No. Uh, the first Naked Gun movie that happened. <laughs> that with, doesn't count, with Sean. Nielsen. That doesn't count. The classic. Doesn't count. Um, Chris Wallace compares Facebook and Twitter to Big Brother after the suppression of the Hunter Biden email story in the New York Post. I'm glad to hear Chris Wallace say that. Um, remember Chris Wallace from moderating the first presidential debate, among other things. Said the Only mo- presidential debate. Said the move from social media giants backfired because the narrative became all about them. I would say so. It has created not just a story about the story, but a story about how big social media giants are. I got a real problem with that, Chris Wallace said, of both platforms stopping the sharing of the story. I think you're either in or you're out. And when I say that, either it's the Wild West and you post everything, and I can understand the concern about that, or you put everything out there, and if you have a problem with some of it, then you put a word on there and say to your users, we can't confirm this story. There's some questions with the story, but you put it out there. Yeah, and people like me can howl that they didn't put that disclaimer on any stories about the Russian collusion hoax or or you know, a, a dozen other fake stories that we had to listen to over and over again. Um, and they will, anything that swings conservative, but I can live with it if the information's out there. And I will just call them what they are, which is uh, far left. But And Chris Wall says, but to just ban it and to say nobody is allowed to discuss this story or post this story, which you know is out there, and you can't put the genie back in the bottle, it was front page of the New York Post, really strikes me as smacking of Big Brother. 
Yeah. There you go. 100%. Big Brother's a reference to the George Orwell novel, 1984. If you haven't read that, you really should. It's short. I'm going to read it again. It's not like asking you to read War and Peace or something. It's, I've never read that. You know my great Which one? Uh, War and Peace or Oh, no. Uh, 19, well, neither, but 1984. No. Yeah. It's worth a read. I read, uh, I read part of War and Peace. Uh, the war part was exciting. When they got to peace, I got bored. I could mm. read that book for the rest of my life. Just keep reading it over and over. Really? Oh, yeah. I ought to read Freaking that. Freaking love that Russian, book. huh? Where do your loyalties lie? <laughs> there are 500 <laughs> characters, though, so it's hard to keep track of them all. Are you now or have you ever been a Karamazov brother? Um, so, uh, der, der, what was I going to say? It, it was important. It was, it was uh, Big Brother, Facebook, Orwell. Oh, my uh, my new I want to get a T-shirt. Um, Actually, Hanson, we ought to have A&G T-shirts that say MOFA. Make Orwell fiction again. Oh, I like it. That's my great. Uh, that's my great to purpose now in life to Mofa. know Orwell, to recognize that which is truly Orwellian, and to fight it like crazy. That's good. Yeah, I'm. I'm so. I'm fired up. I'm. I'm. I'm unhappy, and I'm really concerned about the state of my beloved country. But I'm fired up to fight these sons of guns who are trying to, trying to pervert what we are, to change the language, to install a new totalitarianism based on you know race or ethnicity or whatever to divide us into our groups and to deny us our our, our common heritage it, it, troubled as it might be i despise those people it's got me fired up oh we're going to talk to lon he chen so let's get fired up are you fired up yeah, more or less fired up. Okay. We're going to talk to Lon Chen later this hour about uh, the state of politics of the day. What would you do if you ran Facebook and Twitter, though? It's very easy to say. I'd, I'd just let everything go. Immediately, somebody would say, how about child porn? Well, not child porn. Okay, now you've started. Mm. Now you've started. I think they have a bigger problem. Cause you're right, I, and I'm not dismissing that because... You know, things move from completely acceptable to horrifyingly unacceptable in tiny degrees. How about advocating violence? No, I would never allow that. Oh, they do that well, all the time. This, they let... Is this advocating violence? Is this advocating? I'm just saying how complicated right, it would be. Right. Even if I was in charge and I would want to be really, really wild west, but I'm certainly not going to allow you to post child porn. Yeah. Or solicit it or, 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 or uh, you know, um, ask people to commit violence. I wouldn't allow that. But boy, when just even starting with those statements. You know, what crosses the line gets sure. really difficult. Yeah, uh, Funny you should mention that we had a beloved listener send along a link that made it clear that uh, two days ago, even as they were completely banning the New York Post front page story, there were hundreds and hundreds of Antifa tweets that were directly inciting violence and or the violent overthrow of the United States government. Mm-hmm. And and Jack Dorsey and Twitter turned a blind eye to that. Um, uh, getting back to the question of uh, censoring and stuff on uh, on social media, oh, it was it was important what I was going to say. Flitted. But so, what would you do if you ran Twitter or Facebook? Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, that is a very difficult question to answer, and we can dive into that if you want to discuss it. But the social media has the same problem that the Democratic Party has, and it was what uh, Lindsey Graham was talking about. They are sitting on top of a seething cauldron of young, militant left people who are angry. They are destructive. They are incredibly self-righteous. They believe anybody who opposes them should not only be defeated, but hurt, um, damaged, ruined, uh, rendered destitute, stripped naked and beaten in the streets, sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively, professionally speaking. And and they know that. Jack Dorsey, I guarantee you, is terrified of his own workforce. I know Google is. 
even to the extent that they disagree with the woke crowd, they know they are sitting on top of a wild bucking bronco. Boy, one of the best things that and could happen. the Democratic happen, Party's in the same spot. One of the best things that could happen for Republicans and Democrats is, and, and just the country is if everybody comes to the realization that, that social media is controlled by loudmouth fringe. It is not representative of most people in your party or your political stripe at I, all. Not I, even close. That would be a great development. I wonder if that'll happen. Yeah, just for the sanity of politics. Uh-huh. Yeah, Because um, like it or not, a lot of people don't like it. Politics is about compromise and reaching deals. Later, it just is. Later this hour, we've got to play that crazy, angry newscaster woman again. If you didn't hear it, it's... If you heard it, you want to hear it again. If you didn't hear it, you got to hear it. That's later this hour. I've heard it four times, and I want to hear it again <laughs> immediately. Lon He Chen, this hour on politics and a lot of good stuff. For a productive segment, wasn't it? Yeah. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray and Wednesday too. Thursday, I don't care about you, it's Friday, I'm in love. We're going to turn out to that incredible NFL comeback story for Washington's Alex Smith, returning to the field for the first time since suffering a devastating severe leg injury that not only could have ended his days playing, but also his life. A lot of our audience knows who Alex Smith is as we're on, and of course, in San Francisco, Northern California, Kansas City, places he's played and succeeded. Yep. I own an Alex Smith football jersey. Yep. And he's he was, in the back of the closet. I'd forgotten, so he had an injury where he almost died. Yeah, shattered his leg, terrible leg injury, infections, etc. Just horrible. Just now horrible. he's back playing again for the Washington, whatever they're called. Football team. The Washington football team is the name. <laughs> Why does he want to keep playing? I don't know, Alex. Please retire. Please get a couple of Ford dealerships and, and, and just be with your beautiful wife and your beautiful little children. And I'm, maybe just, I'm frightened for you. Maybe he doesn't like them. <laughs> a little too much of that. <laughs> oh, speaking of marriage. Just a warning to my wife uh, because I love her. Um, I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to make the stupidest expenditure I have ever made in our entire long relationship. Wow! And that is saying something. You're announcing it on the radio. I am. I think it's important that it's out there. Mm. I will explain in a few minutes. Because you've bought things drunk, right? Why don't you settle down in there, Michael? <laughs> you have two theremins. Right? Why yeah. do you even have a mic? Why do you have a microphone? Didn't you buy art when somebody was going door to door one time? Raise your hand if you'd like to speak. <laughs> all right. In the future. <laughs> Keep yapping, man. <laughs> uh, some COVID stuff. I, I see studies that say COVID's the number one topic in America. I don't talk, think about it that much, and most people don't that I talk to don't talk about it that much, but maybe it is. I don't know. Anyway, COVID is spreading fast, uh, it says here in the USA Today. Um, 18 days from a presidential election, the U.S. has more confirmed COVID cases and deaths than in any other country, and cases are growing at a speed not since the, since the start of the summer peak. At the current rate of growth, the nation could set a record for new cases in, the, in a single week in the first few days of November. Now, a lot of that is the testing, but I don't know how much, and they never look into it. Nope. you gotta, you got to include that. We weren't testing anybody back in March. Hardly anybody anywhere in the country. Right. And I guarantee you, there were states like, you get into South Dakota or something, they might not have tested five people in March. 
And now they're testing all over the country, so of course there are going to be more cases. And you know what's really frustrating is a couple of times I've come across news accounts that do factor in the increase in testing, and they say uh, statisticians believe that's responsible for X percentage of the increase. And that's interesting, and it's useful, and a grown-up then can make yeah. uh, you know conclusions based on solid data. The number of cases is a meaningless number. Well, it's almost meaningless. Close to meaning. Anyway, yesterday, Dr. Fauci said the idea of herd immunity, getting to herd immunity, is ridiculous. Okay. Uh, that's bad to hear. Chris Christie is out of the hospital, and he did an interview. He was in ICU, intensive care, care for seven days. It's a long time to be in the ICU. Oh, I'd say. That's um, touch and go-ish. Yeah. Of course, he's a he's a famous fella and well-connected. It could be it was a excess of caution. They found a bed for him. I don't know. Could be. He, but yeah, he's also be. a big fat guy with the COVID and um, middle-aged. Maybe he got intensive care because of who he is. Right. Not his health situation. Glad I, he's all right, though. He says, I was wrong not to wear a mask. I was wrong not to wear a mask in a bunch of different situations, and now I wear a mask. There you go. Coming up next, we'll talk to the fabulous Lon He Chen, good friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show. So stimulating and even-handed and insightful about politics. I will reveal to Lon He my... Uh, my intended idiotic spending. <laughs> okay. Because I really don't have time to explain uh, during this segment. Um, so stay tuned if you can. Uh, if you can't stay tuned, well, gosh. Bye. Have a great Friday, you mother. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You have now a case, a situation. John, it's, it's... Whether it was... Go ahead, Lonnie. Lonnie, Lonnie, Lonnie jump oh, no, in wait. here. Cause, cause... No, I want to I finish this. Yeah, I but you haven't answered my question. Actually <laughs> to start le- taking these battles to the legislative front, yeah. because I think this court is going to put, actually, women back in alleys. Lonnie, Lonnie, we only, have, we only have 15 seconds. Workers, actually, uh, are back in shop floors. And I think we should Look, take that out and take that to the le- voters. Ten seconds, Lonnie. <laughs> Final it's, word. It, look, it's it, it's pretty clear. We're going to give Lon He Chen more than 10 seconds to respond to nonsense. Oh, boy. Lon He Chen is the Dave and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, host of the excellent podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Lon He, how are you, sir? Oh, if I only had more than 10 seconds, you guys. I, I so <laughs> before we get into that, I need to pay this off. I think you're about the right uh, generation for this, I hope. When I was a little kid, there may have been nothing more beloved during the Christmas season than Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, mm-hmm. the TV show, the animated TV show. Oh, yeah. Um, and when my kids were little, I had all the voices from that show down so well, I could have recut the entire voiceover and nobody would have known I'd done it. <laughs> I'm not bragging because there's plenty I'm bad at, but I was so good at all those voices. They are auctioning off the six-inch-tall Rudolph and 11-inch-tall Santa that were used oh, wow. to animate the 1964 TV special. Wow, cool. That'd be a cool thing to have. They're expected to fetch between $150,000 $250,000. Honey, second mortgage time. Daddy needs a Santa. So, uh, Lonnie, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching you on uh, ABC this week, and uh, I don't want to put you in a weird position with that show, which I watch every week, and uh, or, or Rahm Emanuel, who, who I find to be a pretty good, pretty honest political pundit from the other side. But just to point out where we are, the silly season that is election season, Rahm Emanuel saying this court will put women back in alleys and gays back in the closet. 
and you didn't get to respond to that. I, that I mean, when people are saying that sort of stuff, how do you have any political conversation? Well, you, you know, it, it's actually started earlier than that, you know, with the with the contention that the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the court was akin to court packing. Right. Uh, which, you know, look, it's uh, that that premise itself is is ridiculous. I mean, you're talking about comparing something that is extra legal with something that is entirely constitutional, which is the president saying, look, I'm going to nominate someone. And by the way, the Senate has a responsibility to consider that candidate. So there, so there was that nonsense. And then there was the nonsense around, you know, what it will mean. And, and this is the kind of hysteria, unfortunately, that has made it really difficult for us to have a reasonable conversation God, about say, what, you know, anything, anything. If you're going to really. claim gays are going to have to go back in the closet when she's on the court, I mean, that's just insanity. So is, it, is that just trying to get the last few crumbs of really low information voters or I don't even know what's going on? No, I, you know, I think part of it is is trying a to gin up your political base. And to get them excited, because, you know, the the Democrats had a turnout problem in 2016. You know, Hillary Clinton was not a good candidate. She was not attract, you know, not not appealing to people. And and so they had a turnout problem and they don't want to have a turnout problem this time around. So stuff like that. And and Rahm Emanuel knows that he understands it. Stuff like that is designed to to gin up the base, to make sure that they are still motivated, because, look, the Supreme Court traditionally has been more of an issue for Republicans than it has been for Democrats. So I think part of it is, let's make sure our base gets excited. The other part of it is just, you know, yeah, maybe they can trick a few people into thinking that, oh my gosh, maybe the Republicans actually do want to do that. Maybe conservatives actually do want to do that and, and, and cause enough question uh, that a few people who are undecided maybe come over. But in my mind, fundamentally, it is about ginning up the base and getting people excited to vote. Can you get elected to national office these days with a sober, adult, non-hyperbolic message? I don't know. I don't know that you can, uh, which is discouraging. But, you know, look, our politics goes in cycles. If you look back historically at different phases of American history, you will find periods of time when the rhetoric was more amped when when certain themes in the electorate were much more present than other themes. You know, we're, we're going through a particularly populist period in our politics now. We've had that before. I, I would like to think that we can go back to a time when we can have a reasonable conversation. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I've always been optimistic about this. We've talked about this before on the show. I, I You know, I'd like to think that we can have an opportunity to have a real conversation, and that will mean candidates who are willing to engage but I, I don't know. I, I don't know anymore. I mean, seeing how this campaign is ending the last couple of weeks of it uh, is really discouraging. Uh, really, really discouraging. Agreed. Uh, Lonnie Chan of the Hoover Institution is online. So how 2020 was the whole fracas over the debate over the last week where uh, Trump gets the covid, then he's fine, says I can be there. They say, no, let's go. Uh, let's go virtually. He says, I ain't gonna. They have competing town halls on different networks, one of which I've described as a prosecution and the other a massage. I mean, this what a strange week. And and not even like a deep tissue massage, like a relaxation. Massage. Yeah, like you're <laughs> Swedish. Very, just yeah, very nice. You're yeah. dozing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it was it was a um, well, I mean, look, I think I think it's pretty transparent what's going on here, which is that, you know, NBC, they, they took a lot of heat for hosting the town hall with Trump. They wanted to, to make it tough. And so, you know, Savannah Guthrie was was tough in her questioning. It was an inquisition. 
Um, but, you know, here's part of the problem with that, which is that Trump, it, Trump excels, I think, to a certain degree in those in those kinds of environments. You know, the confrontational environment that allows him to to continue his themes along the lines of, look, the media is against me. Everybody knows it. And 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 that really, you know, I think was an exhibit of that. And it's a shame because they could have been on the probably on the same stage virtually or in person together. And the American people would have gotten a heck of a lot more out of it than these two separate programs, neither of which I, I've never thought these town halls no. are all that informative or or actually get that much information. Right. And the opportunity to have them both on the same stage at the same time, that would have been great. You know, that's funny. I got lost on me somehow. So our claim is you can't have an event like this because of COVID, but you can have two events like this. That's uh, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get off on this because this is really inside baseball. But the uh, the commission on debates, do they have a future? After this campaign, they're going to have to reorganize because yeah. what's become abundantly clear is that they are they are currently organized as really vestiges of the old school Democratic and old school Republican parties, like circa 1990s. If you look at the people who are on the commission who make decisions. You know, they're just going to have to find a, a, another way of ensuring that both campaigns are properly represented and that the interests of both Democrats and Republicans are probably interested. Now, let me just say this. I think part of the challenge in this campaign is that Donald Trump has been and continues to be such an unconventional Republican. Uh, yes, the party is largely with him, but the people who were involved in this really didn't necessarily represent Trump's interests in the way that they would have represented a traditional Republican candidate's interests. Mm. And that's what kind of messed this whole thing up. So, yeah, I think they're going to get reorganized. I think they'll look at a different way of doing it in, in 2024. But it's, it's a shame, right, because these debates are supposed to be informational for the American people. And, and this year, you know, the first presidential debate wasn't. The VP debate, I thought, was a little bit better. And we didn't even have a second debate. So here we are. If Trump's reelected, women will get back alley uh, coat hanger abortions. You've got two seconds to respond, Lonnie. <laughs> um, we're talking with Lonnie Chen, the host of the podcast Crossing Line with Lonnie Chen. So I was reading the other day about how in 96, it was so clear that Bob Dole was going to lose to Bill Clinton. He was so far behind in the polls. In the final weeks, they decided to cut the cord and they went with the the, yep. the idea of save the Senate. We need a check on Bill Clinton. Is there any chance? Now, I've made it very clear. I'm going to be devastated if Trump loses. I'm going to be hurt like my favorite team lost the Super Bowl. But at some point, does the Republican Party say, hey, he's going to lose and make it clear this is about saving the Senate? Do you think there's any chance that happens, or is he just so popular? Well, I, I I don't see that they can do that in the official messaging because because that will that will you know Trump will literally start blowing people up <laughs> if, 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 right. if there is a an effort to firmly have that 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 sort of division. But I think you're already starting to see that you know, and individual candidates are making decisions about trying to separate from Trump. I'll give you an example: Martha McSally, who's running for the U.S. Senate in Arizona. Um, you know, she's already tried to draw some distance, recognizing that that the president might not be helping her numbers in, in Arizona. And that's going to be a very tough race for her. In the same way, you know, Tom Tillis in North Carolina, who's the incumbent Republican senator there, has tried to draw a little bit of distance. People are going to do it naturally. But in terms of like an overall effort to, to say, let's save the Senate, I highly doubt you're going to see that. I think I think that the president is going to continue to control the messaging and it's going to be very difficult at a macro level to draw distance from Trump, which is, you know, which is going to make it tough for some of these Senate candidates, to be sure. Well, we're out of time, but briefly, it's a big deal if Biden would win and get the Senate, right? 
Well, I mean, then there's no check. There's there's no check on what he can do. You know, all these conversations about the filibuster and huge spending and, you know, single-payer health care, you know, those kinds of things become, you know, ever more likely when you've got control of the, the entire government. So, yeah, it's, it is a big deal, and people should recognize that. Lon He Chen of the Hoover Institution, host of the podcast Crossing Lines. Lon He Chen, we truly appreciate the time. Always terrific. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. You know what we didn't even get to when it was the hot story? Was how uh, the intended moderator yeah. for the second debate, C-SPAN Steve Scully, uh, was was uh, he was communicating with uh, Steve Scaramucci of all people? Yeah, no kidding. And Scaramucci, honestly, Scaramucci. Uh, do you do the fandango? Uh, it wasn't clear to me that that was really untoward. I mean, he was communicating with a harsh Trump ally. The guy was a college intern for Joe Biden and Ted Kennedy. I'm thinking. My daughter is uh, 21 years old. She goes to school in the Washington, D.C. area. She's about to graduate. She has a strong interest in, in all sorts of political-related things, data analytics, that sort of thing. She, she has already done some inter- internships with politically connected organizations. And my advice to her has been, if some prominent Democrat organization offers you a gleaming internship, take it. Oh, of course. Take it. Learn how the game is played. Learn how the technology works. So I'm not going to tar Steve Scully with the fact that he was a Biden intern at one point. It's kind of a sign of something, but nah, he's an adult. He can, he's probably good at his job. The one thing I cannot forgive him for is he claimed for the, not first, not second, but third time when he tweeted something he was later ashamed for. Yeah, yeah, my account got hacked. Those stupid hackers, they hacked my account. And I was like, that's so weak. Third time he's claimed his account got hacked and C-SPAN brought in the FBI and the FBI said, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. You (laughs) tweeted that. And he said, yeah, I did. Steve, Steve, I'm saying this as a friend. You say the following. You know, my wife and I were engaging a few uh, engaging in a few cocktails. I was about three drinks in. I thought it was a good idea to tweet that. It was an idiotic idea. And I apologize. Don't go with I got hacked. Is there dope. a single example of politician or celebrity claiming their account got hacked where it turned out it actually did get hacked? I can't think of one. I can't answer that. <laughs> I can't think of one. Every time it's turned out that that, that was a lie. Let oh, me, Anthony let, Weiner. Let me answer it this way. I would wager my house payment or more that the vast majority of people who claim that are lying. Yeah. That's Are there what, a couple isolated yeah. cases? Maybe. These people went through all the steps required to hack into your Twitter account, and their big scheme to do so once they got in there was to thumb out a slightly regrettable tweet to one of your political opponents. Real big brain hackers. You know, oh, yeah, on. It's Lex freaking Luther's on your trail are doing that. That's an excellent point. Exactly. And the one was about, like, weight loss back yeah. in the day. I can't even remember what it was, and it doesn't matter, but, yeah, they, they hacked I you, got Steve. hacked. Yeah, that's it. So my main argument that with the guy is That was my voice like, on the radio that said that. Uh, somebody ran in the studio who does an impersonation. Yeah, That's they, what hacked, I'm gonna claim. Uh, they hacked the radio show. If I ever yeah. say something I shouldn't have said. That wasn't me. Joe it's saw like, it. It's like one of them Zoom bombs or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what an idiot. The best thing you've ever heard coming up next. And that's not an overstatement. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Need the backstory on this. It reminds me, I was playing with my son last night. He wanted to play some sort of game on bikes, and he gave me a, a, a thing to put around my uh, shoulders as like a cape, and I had a sword, and I'm supposed to cast and then cast spells on him or something, okay. and I'm, whatever. Fair so enough. we're riding bikes, and I came up to him, and I, I say, I am going to smite thee, and he said, wait, wait a second, what's your backstory? I need to know your backstory. <laughs> I said, what? I need to know your backstory. Were you like like teased as a kid, so now you want revenge on the world? Or what? what is your backstory? That's good stuff. I didn't realize I had to have a backstory. Oh, heck yeah. An origin story. <laughs> I didn't realize it's that was It's also a clever ruse during mid-attack to be like, hey, yeah. whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. What are you all about? Why are you angry at the world? <laughs> and so then what? the lightsaber or the sword or the magic spell right between the eyes. What, so what's the backstory on this? Well, apparently this uh, really cute, haughty newscaster chick uh, who looks like all of them. Um, and the mayor of of, of uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, had a bit of a romantic relationship. Now, I'm told recently, it's mostly via text. Wow. Which is a little odd. So it got this ugly over a text relationship. There's a subplot here where somebody was interviewed and admitted to having been with escorts and something. It's just, it's a little, it's a little complicated, but the long story short is this is a woman scorned. Hell hath no fury. Exactly. She's an anchorette uh, reporter gal, and she calls her former lover to tell him just what she thinks of him. Ethan, it's Maria Athens from Fox ABC, CW, Newsnet, National Alaska. Uh, I just learned from my, uh, Emmy award-winning journalism, you're also a pedophile in, like, little girls and children. And there's a website. I'm so f***ing exposing you. I'm going to get an Emmy. So you either turn yourself in, kill yourself, or do what you need to do. I will personally kill you and Mark Kimmel, my self, you Jewish piece of living You have met your match, mother You have met your match. I can't believe I am such a good person and thought I loved you. I hate, I don't even hate you. I will pray for your Zionist ass, you piece of loser. And I'm putting this on the news tonight. Bye. Have a great Friday, you mother. So (laughs) at least it ended with a cheerful goodbye. I'd call her back and say, I, hey, I caught the first, you, you left a message, I just heard the first part of it. it what's going bre- on? It started breaking up in the, yeah. uh, towards the middle of it. What was that? <laughs> yeah, stupid machine. So what's up? <laughs> um, uh, she's thinking, oh, man, i got to fire this up again. Okay, here we go. <gasps> you run! <laughs> <laughs> Did she put anything on the news that night? Uh, I doubt it. I don't know. It has to do with, she talked to a business owner in Anchorage, while it is the biggest town in Alaska, it is, right? Yeah. Um, It's still a fairly small town. Um, Some business owner's daughter, he mentioned, yeah, she was an escort, not a sexual thing, but she would escort. And it became clear that the mayor boyfriend had once done an event with her as his escort or something, Mm. but she wasn't a child. And so it's... Oh, it's okay. a woman scorned thing and gets a little complicated. Is he married? I don't know that. Or her or anybody. Okay, so it's just a relationship then. Um Um Yeah. Yeah. Um She's pretty angry. So what's that part in the middle where she says, I don't even hate you, I want your and then it, there's so many bleeps, I don't know. 
Well, one bit of information, uh, Al Anonymous from beautiful Boise uh, passes on. Apparently, Maria Athens is a Marin County, California product, graduate of Redwood High. Other grads include Gavin Newsom and Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks. Wow. They all graduate USC. together? I don't know. that. The, no, they didn't graduate together. She appears to be 30. But uh, The mayor in this story is married. Okay, so okay. you don't want... Well, they, we don't, we're not certain they did anything, but... Uh, uh, you do it's, not want this angry woman in in your life to explain to your wife. Apparently, this gal is psychologically on the edge. You He's, have met your match, mother. Which is probably <laughs> something I don't need to say. But they no, they, you didn't. They point out a couple of things she's said and posted on the internet and the rest that would suggest that she is. Uh, not well tethered to reality. Well, at first, when I first heard it, I thought, okay, she's outing a pedophile and she's angry about it. Okay, I could see that. No, no, why yeah, why the Jewish thing? Why, the, why, why'd you go to the religion? I well, can't believe I am such a good person clearly. and thought I loved you. I know. Yeah, love. Who can explain it? <laughs> I'm not sure you come across as a good person. Yeah. You That's have not- met your match, mother. I hear that. She is mad. Hey, well, we have good stuff coming up in the award-winning fourth hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show. If you don't get the fourth hour, you can get it tomorrow or later via podcast or, you know. Bye! Have a great Friday, you mother... Armstrong and Getty.